Thank you for engaging today's message with Wind River Community Church. Our prayer for you is that you will encounter Christ and grow in your relationship with Him. May this encourage you in connecting with other people who follow Jesus as well as knowing you are not alone. If you would like prayer, please text us at 307-240-8742 or if you would like more information about this program or past messages, visit our website at windriverchurch.com. I look forward to hearing what God is doing in your life. And now, here is today's message. So, they went out for their first big ice fishing just last week. And when they got out to their, to their lake that they're going to fish on and drilled the holes, Ollie's looking over at Sven and going, Sven, what is that thing you got right there? Sven says, Ollie, this is one of them new thingamajiggers from Yeti. It keep, it, it's like a thermos. It keeps the cold things really cold for a long time. Like, you know, 72 hours. And it keeps the hot things hot for like 48 hours. Oh, he's like, wow, Sven, that's, that's amazing. Yep, yep, it's really good. So they kept on fishing for a while, but, but Ole got pretty curious and he looks at Sven and he says, okay, I just got to know. He goes, what's going on? Ole, he, Sven says to him, and he says, well, Sven, I just, I'm wondering, what do you have in that new thingamajigger you got there that keeps everything cold and everything hot? He says, well, I've got one popsicle and two cups of coffee. <laughs> All right, if you didn't get that, come see me afterwards. I'll help you out. All right. So let's, here's the big question. I got a few questions to start off with this morning. What brings joy? What brings you joy? Is it something expensive? Is it something consistent? Is it maybe a memory from one of those great achievements that you've made in the past part of your life? Something that you just think about and all of a sudden you're just filled with this joy. But th- this is really a kind of a tricky question when you think about what brings joy to a person's heart because it all depends on who you're asking. You, you ask a seventh grade boy what brings joy to your heart, and he's going to say pizza. And he means it because that's just about everything he thinks about. But if you were to ask an 80-year-old man what brings joy to your heart, he would probably say something like, having a great conversation with a close relative or a very good friend. That's what brings joy to my heart. Here's some things that I've learned about joy over the week as I was studying for this, that, that there, there are a lot of different th- things that people find to fill their lives with joy, a lot of things. But there were about six things that were common to all the lists that I saw on joy. The number one thing that brings joy to just about every person's life on that, that as I was looking at it was being with and spending time with good family members and friends. It's being with people you love the most. Somehow just being in the presence with them and spending time with them just fills your life with joy. The second thing the people who have an abundance of joy said that the second thing that, that, they, that really fills their heart with joy is that they have this sense of gratitude for all that they have. They're thankful for everything that God's given to them in life. 
The third thing is, is that they're people who have joy. They're motivated to give this precious gift of forgiveness. So the first one is, is spending time with family and friends. The second one is gratitude. The third one is forgiveness. The fourth one is giving people, you know, something other than a cash donation, like my time, my service, or just for a total stranger, an act, uh, a random act of kindness towards them fills their hearts with joy. Number four is having this deep belief in Jesus and in God and that he has their best interest at heart. Number five is, um, or is it six? I can't remember. I'm lost. Uh, is meaningful work. When you're engaged in something that you love to do, whether it's in the wood shop and you get sawdust all over yourself or it's a sewing project that you take up the kitchen table for three weeks with, um, you know, things for the grandkids for Christmas. I'm not naming names or nothing. <laughs> but I haven't eaten at our kitchen table in three weeks. I'm starving. <laughs> I know you can tell that. But it, it's that thing where you lose track of time because you love doing it so much. For some people, it might be gardening. Others playing with the grandkids. It might be painting a picture. Whatever it is, they're wrenching on a motor. They just lose track of all time. And when they walk away, their heart is filled with joy because they just did something they loved to do. Those are the things that fill people's, fills people's hearts with joy. But yet... <laughs> On the other side of the coin, there are things that suck the joy right out of us. You know what the number one thing that sucks the joy out of us? People. People who are always negative. They have nothing good to say about anything, but they always have something to say about everything. And they just suck the life right out of you. Another thing that really sucks the joy out of us, is being overwhelmed. We, we create a to-do list that even Jesus couldn't get done. And then we're disappointed and we're upset because we haven't accomplished anything. And we feel overwhelmed with all the tasks that we've created for ourselves to do. One of the big things I believe that really sucks the joy out of everybody's life, especially at this time of year, is being hurried. Dallas Willard, uh, one of the guys I love reading his, his books, he says this, Hurry is the great enemy of, the soul, of our souls in our day. Being busy is mostly a condition of our outer world. It's having many things to do. Being hurried is a problem of the soul. This time of year puts us into hurry mode. And then the last thing I, and, and there's a many things on this. This isn't in, uh, everything that will suck the joy out of us, but financial stress of keeping up with the Joneses at Christmas time really puts a lot of stress and sucks the joy out of what you're doing because you never know, did I get the right thing? Are they going to be happy? Are they going to whine and pout another time for another year because they didn't get their Nintendo or whatever? That thing is. 
I think I just really have a really sexy voice right now. I don't know about you, but man, I am. I'm just going to blame it on the medication. But joy. <clears throat> so how do we go into the celebration, this season of celebrating Jesus' birth and all the things that are supposed to be just laid out, the Bible lays out at this time of year, lays out this promise that we're going to have hope and we're going to have peace and we should have joy. Because when joy fills our life, then, then it eliminates the hurry, or it's supposed to. But, but what happens is our lives are filled with hurry rather than joy. We've got Ned and Nancy negative coming over to our house and just sucking the joy out of everybody's life. We feel overwhelmed with the pressures of the season. So how do we make this season, this Christmas season special, and still stay on budget, especially with inflation raging like it does? I mean, like, you know what? You could buy, you, you can't even buy a turkey this year. You got to go out and buy a crow or something to eat because it's, <laughs> you just can't afford one. And, and, and I know it's, it almost sounds like it's impossible for us to really find joy in this season. I mean, the, the fact is, is that for a lot of people, this time of the year, doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring peace. Because there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that this time of the year just reminds us of all the ugliness that we've had to deal with. The loss of loved ones. Maybe it was a, a divorce. Maybe it was a financial loss that, that puts you right back down to, to ground zero. The fact that maybe you have a relative or a really good friend that you haven't spoken to in years because of some issue in your life. And so you're, you're thinking, joy to the world? Not in my world. And so how do we find that joy? Well, the only way I know to do that and, and to make it possible is for us to go back to the original message of joy, to remember what that first message was. We have to go back and, and look at the birth of Jesus. The Gospel of Luke gives us the most detailed story of the birth of Christ. And also, it, he really wants us, Luke wants us to have a fresh set of eyes. We get to see the meeting of Jesus in flesh with the world. The Son of God coming to the world. And Luke lays this out in such a magnificent way. It's absolutely stunning. And in it's this, this story where Jesus in flesh comes into the world and the world finally is finding out what full joy in God is really like. So for us to go there, we have to go with back to Mary, who the angel Gabriel came to and said, you've been found with favor with the Lord. And she goes, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that even though you're a virgin, you're going to get pregnant. Oh, whoopee. That's not going to raise any eyebrows. But Mary was an amazing woman, and she said, young lady actually, and she said, let it be as you said. Well, then when Joseph found out, he was all bent out of shape because he thought that his one in true love had been unfaithful. So he was ready to send her away quietly. 
But the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream and said, this child that Mary carries is the son of God. So don't be afraid to take her as your wife. And of course, then of the, there was a census that had to be taken. And you had to go to your hometown. How many were born in Lander? All right. About 10 of you. Everybody else, welcome to Wyoming. Glad you're here. You'd have to go back to your hometown, the place where you're... Medford, Oregon. Anybody ever been to Medford, Oregon? Yeah, that's a place you want to stay away from. <clears throat> so they had to go to Bethlehem because both David and Mary, their line, their family tree came out of Bethlehem. And so they make the trek back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem's only six miles from Jerusalem. And, and when they show up, to Bethlehem, of course, then that's the time when Mary's going to give birth to her, her baby boy. And of course, she looks at Joseph and says, so where are we, where's the reservation for? Where are, we, where are we staying? And he goes, uh, kind of forgot about that. So this is what it looked like. Don't be mad. I said I was sorry. I should have made reservations. Talk to me, Mary. Mary, Mary, I'm fine. That's how Silent Night began. <laughs> so they get to Bethlehem, and all they can find is this makeshift barn. It isn't even a good barn. It's probably a little bit of a cave with a little bit of a wood structure over it. And they go in there, there's straw, and there's a, a feeding trough, and it's a place to get out of the night air. And by the way, I, listen, I want you guys to know the truth. You guys like knowing the truth? Anybody that doesn't want to know the truth, put your hand up right now. Plug your ears, because you don't want to hear this if you don't want to know. The truth is, is that Jesus was not born on December 25th, okay? See, I know. I'm not going to tell you about the other things either, like, never mind. <laughs> it was more likely that Jesus was born in late March or early April, because that's why we have the shepherds in the, with the sheep in the fields close to Jerusalem, where the temple is, because the Passover is going to be coming, and they're going to have to sacrifice some lambs so the shepherds are getting ready. So just, you know, just want you to be informed so you can have a Merry Christmas. So here we have them, you know, doing all this stuff. And God, Jesus is born in this manger. And so God wants the world to know. And so he sends his messenger angel to tell these shepherds who are in the field looking after their, their flocks by night. Now, I want you to understand something about these shepherd boys out there. They're the poorest of the poor. When you can't get a job flipping burgers at McDonald's, you go out and take care of the sheep. You don't get invited to Christmas parties. You're not on anybody's guest list. When they talk about blue-collar workers, they have the bluest collar of workers. These guys working their fannies off out in the field, taking care of the sheep, and nobody cares one lick about those guys out in the field. 
And so God says, listen, and I'm pretty sure it was Gabriel because he's the head messenger angel. He said, Gabriel, go down to those shepherd boys because guess who's coming? The great shepherd. His name's Jesus. You go down there and you tell those boys that, but, that the king of kings is coming into the world and that he's already there. And God in his wisdom made the decision to go down there and make this announcement to these ordinary, hard-working kind of people that you and I would relate to real well. Here's the, the crazier part about it. It's just six miles away, all the who's who's of Jerusalem and Israel are hanging out. The, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, all the people that want, you want to be known by. All the people you would include on your Christmas list to come to your party, but they ain't going to come because it's you. And they're not going to do that. And yet, God doesn't send the message to those people. These are the ones who would be the most, uh, the brightest of all the people who would be looking for the Messiah. These are the ones who would have their eyes on Scripture to know what to look for in Scripture, and yet God does not send the message to them. He sends them to the shepherd boys over there. And when the angel showed up, here's what he said to those shepherd boys. He said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, you get this? He said, unto you, to these shepherds, unto you, you shepherd boys that nobody cares about, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a big clue right there, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the long-awaited one. You guys get the first news. You guys are the ones that are going to receive this. You guys, you've got what nobody else knows right now. You've got the greatest news in all of the history of man. It's great news of, it's good news of great joy. So how does Jesus really bring joy to the world? Obviously, right from the beginning, there were only two people other than the, the shepherds, of course, and Mary and Joseph, because they were right there. There are only two other people that really understood and looked into the face of Jesus and said, this is the face of God. And that was Simeon, the priest, the old priest, at the temple when they took Jesus in to have him circumcised on the eighth day. Simeon was there, the one to do it, and he said, behold, here is the salvation of Israel. And then Anna, the prophetess, she said, look, here is the Savior, the long-awaited Son of God, the Messiah that we've been longing for. And both of them said, now we can go to our rest with peace in our heart, knowing we have seen the Messiah. They're the only two that knew, other than these shepherd boys over here. But they went out and they told everybody what was going on. Now, how does, so how does Jesus, beyond that, they had great joy. So how does Jesus br bring joy to the world? Well, 30 years later, when Jesus burst onto the human stage, for everybody to know when he stepped into his ministry, it, it was his, the joy he brought to so many people was, was a staggering magnitude of joy that caught the attention of everyone. Every person 
in and around Jerusalem and Judea all knew from the powerful to the powerless, from, from the known to the unknown, from the, from the strong to the weak. Everybody heard about Jesus and the joy that he brought. They either saw what Jesus was doing or they experienced the joy of Jesus in their life because joy brought, Jesus brought joy into the world in some very practical ways. In his day, every time he healed a person, cast out a demon, forgave a sin, joy was the immediate result of what took place. It was joy to the world because God did something great in their life. Let me ask you this real quick. Have you experienced the joy of Jesus in your life? Put your hand up. Show me. All right. Look at that. You wave at Jesus while you're up there. I, you did that for them. And Jesus knows that. And, and here's the, the great thing because everyone recognized, everyone that Jesus touched recognized Jesus was the promised Savior. He wasn't the guy that the Pharisees and Sadducees were looking for. They were looking for that political leader that was going to overthrow the Roman, Roman government. But Jesus didn't come with a sword. He came with joy and peace and salvation. And, and they're all looking there going, that's what we want. Because humanity yearns for hope. I mean, we, we long for this hope and meaning and purpose in our lives. And within every human heart, I've told you this many times, that the knowledge of eternity is there, even if we don't recognize it. But without Jesus as a vital part of our existence, we only have emptiness and futility. At that time, the world was lost in darkness before Jesus came. God hadn't spoken through a prophet in over 400 years. They thought God went on vacation, never to come back. But that period between Malachi and Matthew is silent, and it was setting the stage for the greatest event of all times. God would become man and live among his people. The message that Joseph received on that night in his dream by the angel, that message was that Mary was carrying the Son of God, who would be called, his name would be called Jesus, because he would be the Savior of his people. And then the angel said to Joseph, that this all has to occur to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And here's what the message was. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Say it with me, which means? Absolutely, every day. In and out, up and down, sleeping and eating, driving and working. God with us. And those who saw him saw the face of God. He came to rescue and save and heal and to make mankind right with God. That was the great cause for joy. Here's one of the great mysteries to me in all of this. Because there are so many people who walk among us and are with us and you may even be here today who claim to be Christ followers, the disciple of Jesus. He's changed my life. And yet... The, their, their outward demeanor 
says, life sucks and so do you. They don't, they, I mean, they're afraid to smile because it might crack their face. They could be the joy suckers in your life. And they claim to be Christ followers. And it's a mystery to me because with all the benefits that we have from knowing and being known by Jesus, and here's what those benefits are. He forgives me of all of my sins. He heals me from all of my disease. He rescues me from death and restores me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things and changes me into His likeness. With all that going on, there should be some kind of something going on out here where I'm like, hey, how are you? I love Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I wish my father-in-law could come down here and see you, but the, somebody won't let him out of Canada <coughs> or into the United States. I'm not sure which one it is because, you know, he's a COVID terrorist. But that guy, he'll walk into a parking lot at Home Depot and he sees a guy and he walks over to him and goes, Hi, my name's John. How are you? Mm, mm. He goes, Well, have I told you that I love Jesus? Shut up and leave me alone. Okay, well, God bless you. I love you. And he'll walk off. That's my father-in-law. Guess what? Guess what he has 24-7? He has the exuberant expression of Jesus on his outward demeanor all the time. You can't spend five minutes without, with that guy without going like, man, he spends a lot of time with Jesus. He looks like him. It's, it's amazing. And, and so I think that for us, if we're going to be a, a, a committed follower of Christ, and we're going to say, because when you become a committed follower of Christ, God's doing a transforming work in our life. And what he does is he takes that old, nasty, ugly nature of ours, the one that is self-absorbed, and he gives it a shakeout, and he washes it in the blood of the Lamb, and he pulls it back up, and it's bright and clean and sparkly and full of joy. James, the brother of Jesus, saw the same thing. He said this, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does the spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? I mean, because of this good news of great joy, our lives are to be radically transformed. Our speech, our conduct, our hope, our purity, our love are to be the witnesses of this good news of great joy of Jesus at work in our lives. I, I know it's hard to go into Safeway when there's, you know, 50,000 people and two people checking stuff out. That's a tough gig to go in there and show joy. Well, then go home and wait until midnight and go back and get your food or something. But, but take an opportunity. At least start practicing it right here inside these four walls. Because I guarantee you, if you were to smile at somebody in here, at the very least because they, they, they don't want to be outed as being, you know, negative Nancy, they're going to smile back at you. I thought it was going to work. 
Peter says it this way about our lives being so connected with Jesus. He says, you lo-, he's talking to us in this passage. I love this. He says, you love him even though you have not seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Inexpressible joy. That's what you get. Inexpressible joy. Be happy. Now you guys were working me hard. You got to help me out. All right, so when he died on the cross, you know, there's a big old veil. Like if this was the temple, there'd be a veil right across here, right behind me, about six inches thick, woven together. And when Jesus died, that veil got ripped from top to bottom because Jesus is saying it's no longer going to be about regulations and sacrifice. We're going to go to the new level. We're going to go into relationship now. And it's going to be all about relationship. And when you, when you see that, that, that Jesus overcame all of those things that caused us to be at odds with God, we get the forgiveness and the cleansing of all of our sins. That gaping hole in our soul is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and now we're connected deeply to God. And we receive the gift of eternal salvation. And heaven rejoices as another soul is saved. I mean, can you imagine? There's a party going on in heaven because the Bible tells us that the angels rejoice every time someone comes to faith in Christ. They're having a party up there. We need to party more. Let's do it. Okay. I'm lost. The promise of Jesus is that he's going to be with us. But here's what the promise is not. He didn't say you would never have another bad day or a bad month or for some of us, a bad year. He never promised that those wouldn't happen when we come to faith in Christ. What he did promise is that when we go through those hard days, those bad moments, those difficult times, those places where we get into dark things in our mind, that he says, at your very worst day, I'm still going to be there with you. Because I love you. I'll walk with you. I'll never leave you alone. You may not think that I'm there because you can't feel me and you can't see me and you can't touch me. But I promise you right now, Jesus says, I will be carrying you in those moments. And you won't even know that I'm doing it. No one's exempt from bad days. Not even Jesus. And here's why Jesus told all this stuff to us, that we would have these bad days. Because he he doesn't want us to think that when we are in a really bad place, in a really bad day, in a really bad year, that he's left us, left us all to ourselves. He wants us to realize that there is nothing in, in all of creation. There is neither angel nor demon. There is, there is no height nor depth. There is nothing in all of creation 
that will ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not your worst day. And why does Jesus tell us that? Because in John 16, he says, I have told you all of this so that you may have, say it with me, peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Trials, plural, sorrows, plural. You will have them. I'm glad that verse doesn't stop there, aren't you? But take heart, because I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus tells you. It's bad, but don't worry about that. I took care of that bad. I took care of that bad for you. And so we have this baby born in Bethlehem. He was born to die in our place. He went to the cross and received the wrath that we deserve for our sins. He died to purchase the joy the angels announced at his birth. And three days later, he rose from the dead, the firstborn of all who would follow him. He appeared to his disciples and showed them all of the Bible was pointing to him. This baby born in the manger, the preacher of good news, the son of God crucified on the cross, the king who conquered the grave, the joy of the world, that is Jesus. It's a wonderful story of the world meeting Jesus in flesh. It's a story of the world finding the full joy of God for their lives. Those who rejoice at Jesus' coming will suffer in this life. But in our weakness and pain and misery, there is nothing compared with the glories already waiting for us in heaven. These are just momentary moments in our lives. We are, I mean, like, I'm, I, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I'm kind of on the downhill side of life. I apexed at 62 and I'm on 63. Haters. <laughs> but the good news is, is that it doesn't matter because I, I'm not storing up treasure on earth. I'm storing up treasure in heaven where the moths and rust, <laughs> man, I could really mess that up in a hurry, where moth and rust does not destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. My treasure is at the feet of Jesus. And that's going to be glory. Here, here's something that I really want you to latch onto this morning. Because this, this time of year is, is hard for a lot of people. And you know people who it's hard for. If it's not hard for you, you know others who it's hard for. Joy is different than happiness. Because happiness depends on our circumstances. I get the right present under the tree. I get the, all the accolade that a man could ever want. I've made more money this year than I made last year. I've got better friends than I've had before. And we have all those things that make us feel happy when in fact happiness is fleeting. Because joy is inseparably linked to Jesus. Joy is inseparably linked to Jesus. This joy is the evidence of a soul 
reunited with its creator and confident in the promise that one day all of this ugliness will be behind us. For just as Jesus endured the cross, and by the way, it tells us that when Jesus looked at the cross, he saw the joy in it. Can you imagine that? He found joy in going to the cross to fulfill everything that God said would happen. That all really sounds good to us, but sometimes it almost sounds too good. Like pie in the sky kind of a thing. It's like some people would say who really don't understand what it means to walk with Jesus. They would say it's something like a fairy tale or wishful thinking. But the, but the truth is, is that if, if we really want to know what it's all about, because right now it's, it's one of those things where if I were to ask you to conjure up joy in your own heart, you'd go like, shut up. I don't feel joyful right now. I'm not feeling it and I'm not going to do it. And that's the way, honestly, we feel a lot of the times. There are, there are days when she doesn't say it out loud, but we've been together long enough. And I walk in the door and I say a few things. And the unspoken words are, why did you come home? Why didn't you just stay in your office if you're going to be that way? Which she would be right to say. Because sometimes I can be the turd in the punch bowl. Just saying. So how do we get this joy? How do we do it when we've got trials of life and we've got bad attitudes towards other people? We've got the heartache and brokenness going on in our own lives. How do we do this? How do we get this joy to, to, to muster up in our... What is it that brings the joy to my life? <laughs> well, Nehemiah told God's people, he says, don't be dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your what? There it is. You want it, you ask for it, and he'll give it to you. I don't feel real joyful right now, God. And as Lorinda read this morning, one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit. Hey, I need more, more fruit, God. Holy Spirit, I need more fruit in my life. Particularly the fruit of joy for right now because I'm feeling pretty joyless. I don't feel it right now. But Jesus brought joy to the world. As his followers, we too can bring joy to the world by sharing the good news of salvation and, and sharing our faith with people. We, if we're faithful and confident obedience to him, knowing that the one in whom we have placed our hope is surely staying faithful to us even when we're not to him. There's no greater thing that could fall upon us than to know that the Redeemer of our lives has broken the grip of Satan's stronghold on us. And even though our lives can be filled with hardships and difficulties, not all the time, I don't want you to think, man, I'm, why did I come to church today? Because it's just bad news all around. Well, I want you to walk out of here and leave the hard stuff, the stuff that's taking you down. I want you to leave that here because I want you to pick up the joy of the Lord in your heart. 
That's really where I want you to go because here's what's going to happen. You, you are going to experience things between now and New Year's. You're going to be in gatherings. You're going to be in parties. You, you may be even by yourself. You may be alone. You may be... There's, there's such a wide variety of things that are going to happen. But I can guarantee you that you are going to run into Mr. and Mrs. David and Debbie Downer. And they are going to want to suck the life right out of you. But the joy of the Lord is unquenchable. It cannot be sucked out of you. And it just keeps filling itself up when we let the joy of the Lord come and make his life in us. Because the Jesus joy, because of the Jesus joy, we can be busy but not be hurried. We can know peace of God rather than the overwhelming stress of the season. Because of the good news of the great joy, you can experience God's forgiveness and extend it to those who hurt you, who sin against you, or just make you mad. Give them, give them the, the peace sign. As you drive, the peace sign. In the windshield. Is that what it is? Something like that? It'll give you peace? Driving down the road? The reason we can do all that is because we sing the song. We sang it already this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. I like what Jude says. This is how we're closing off this morning. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That him is Jesus. To present you blameless before the presence of his glory. With what? Say it again. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen? Amen? Our Father, this morning, we are so thankful that Jesus is the joy of the world, that when you sent him, it was great news of uh, it was good news of great joy to every single person, for every man, for every woman, for every child. I pray this morning, Father, that you would just pour that fruit of the Spirit out upon us, that joy that when we walk out of here and, and that you would continue to fill our, our tank every day, that we would not go a day without asking you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill our hearts with joy so that we can fill other people's hearts with the joy of Jesus as we meet them, so that we can express this desire of, of God to other people. We would be the witness of that joy, and people would want the joy of the Lord, and we would have opportunity to see people come to faith during this Christmas time. And so we just we commit our time to you, and we thank you for it. We pray that you would encourage our hearts to walk with you in holiness, in humility, and that we would find joy in serving you as we serve each other. We pray in Jesus' great name. Amen.